Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT, and each episode we try to bring you the perspectives and expertise of a group of industry luminaries in a variety of IT disciplines. I'd like to take a moment for each of our guests to introduce themselves before we jump into the premise for today's episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Gerard Cavallinas. You can find me on Twitter at GCavallinas, on LinkedIn at Gerard Cavallinas, and my blog, Tech House 570. I am Tim Bertino. I'm a network engineer in the enterprise space and a co-host of the podcast, The Art of Network Engineering. Hi, I'm Jody Lemoyne. I'm at Twitter at Ghost in the Net, and I blog at, at Ghost in, or not at, but at ghostinthenet.info. Uh, I'm an independent consultant servicing the enterprise and medium enterprise space. All right, thank you very much for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise of our episode. Now, we're recording this in about fall of 2021, for those of you out there who might be watching this after the fact, and we're still in the middle of the global COVID pandemic. Um, You know, we've opened some things up, but we're starting to see resurgences, so a lot of people are still working from home. Um, Events are still virtual. Uh, There's been a large migration of people away from companies in Silicon Valley, and that has a lot to say about the impact of how enterprise IT is going to be transformed by this. Uh, There's a lot of discussions that have been going on around new hardware releases and new uh, devices that are being put out that historically would have gone into a large office setting. However, there are no large office settings that are currently fully at full capacity. So the question, the premise that I want to throw out today is, will COVID destroy enterprise IT? So I'm going to open this up to our, our panelists here. What kinds of impacts have you seen with regards to enterprise IT and the way that companies are buying hardware? Are they slowing down at all? Now, I know we had a big slowdown in 2020 because you know there was a lot of need to focus our budgets on um, staying in business as opposed to buying shiny new access points or switches. But we're starting to look forward to what's going to happen if and when people return home, and home being the enterprise office. So are we seeing companies that are starting to ramp up acquisition of new technologies, or are they kind of taking a wait-and-see approach? I'll start, Tom. Uh, I, I do not see a, a slowdown in adoption of new technologies. In, in fact, I don't think that work from anywhere is going to ruin enterprise networking. Um, that's kind of my short answer. The, the long answer is a bit complicated. So what I see is that there are uh, these brick-and-mortar industries, uh, for lack of a better term, that are not going away. Some of the workforce may be going home, but not in totality. So I do not see enterprise networking itself being ruined. Uh, it, it's definitely going to change and already has changed as people go from anywhere. I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I don't see enterprise networking. As a matter of fact, I, you know, working in the healthcare industry, I've seen us still flourish. I mean, we have sent uh, a portion of our, our employees and, you know, nurses. We, we've sent so many different types of people home, administrative side and so forth, but we're still growing as an organization and implementing new technologies. We actually just built out um, the entire infrastructure for two brand new sites that we're planning on opening. So, I mean, at least from my perspective, I don't see it damaging it in any way or changing it. I think what we're seeing is uh, the space is morphing. Um, 
enterprise networking isn't what it was before the pandemic. Uh, for some it is, for sure, the ones who are primarily focused on bricks and mortar, but between uh, the ones who kind of have to take a hybrid approach versus the ones who have decided to go completely remote, they're changing their perspective and leaning on a lot more stuff that's not necessarily core focused. Uh, we're seeing a lot more adoption of commodity networking, believe it or not. We're, we're saying, you know, what is good enough for our remote spaces? And is that going to be a different strategy than what we have in the local spot? And for the ones who are going all remote, commodity networking is on the rise. That's becoming the new enterprise in a lot of cases. And, and the traditional enterprise is becoming the really high-end enterprise. And I think you're absolutely right there, Jody. And we've seen this over the variety of customer focuses that we've been working with over the years. And I give you an example. There's been a long-held kind of truism that a lot of the networking equipment manufacturers don't make features for mom and pop SMEs. They make features for the Fortune 50, and those features trickle down into the equipment that gets sold eventually. Why bother developing a feature that the general store needs when I can develop something for Boeing, and then eventually it'll kind of pay for itself. And I think that that the perspective that you guys have is absolutely true, that, that a lot of organizations that are very focused on brick and mortar, healthcare being a prime one, they are going to continue to, to um, increase the amount of IT spend that they have because they don't really have much of a choice. A lot of the work that they do is very local when it comes to things like IoT devices in the medical field or the amount of computerization that has to happen for something like electronic medical records. But to Jody's point, with the fact that we're starting to see a lot of folks that are using commodity equipment, the IT budgets don't go away in that case. They're not spending less on their information technology infrastructure. What they're doing is investing a larger portion of it in the cloud. And so we're starting to see this work from anywhere trends saying things like, oh, well, if we go ahead and install this application that runs in AWS, then everybody can access it, whether they're working from their house or they're working from a hospital or whether they're working from a coffee shop. So is it that we're starting to see people that are less reliant on the toys that we've been selling them for a number of years, refocusing their efforts on the things that will benefit the largest number of people for the least amount of investment, i.e. cloud services? Yeah, I'd really like to get Jody's take on this. Uh, are you seeing less adoption in physical hardware and more uh, software SaaS-based solutions, like people that are working remote rather than using hardware security appliances, they're, they're leveraging software endpoints and connecting to the cloud? Seeing a little of each, but what I'm seeing is that with the workforce distributed, um, the zero trust thinking is moving toward where is the access? So they're moving things out to the edge and they're moving things to the cloud barrier. Uh, what's in between is largely becoming a glorified access network. And when everything's up in the cloud, whether you're at home or whether you have things at your bricks and mortar spot, if it's all glorified access, then you don't need anything as advanced as you had when everything was on site. And I think they're, they're realizing that we don't need as much as we used to now. It's all Office 365 now. We're not putting everything in exchange locally and we have to protect that. That's protected at the cloud edge. You know, we can, we'll have some basic firewalling in place, but when you don't keep your assets on site, what are you protecting other than the workstations and half of them aren't there? 
Yeah, and I've, I've noticed too, you know, with, with leveraging cloud a little more, you know, we noticed, especially since we have third-party vendors and such that work with us, utilizing both on and off-premise, um, just cloud-based infrastructure. We've done a ton through Azure AD, and I love kind of their take on, you know, implementing those solutions and being able to leverage that. Now we did deploy, like just from my perspective, we did deploy certain assets at home, but you know, we tracked that through a separate piece, but especially to like, like the smaller businesses, I was, I was actually about a week ago looking through some of Cisco's small business products and kind of how they're morphing to really tailor to them instead of just these full blown, you know, built out infrastructures for small businesses that don't really need it, you know, from like the switching and hardware standpoint. And like you said, just basic firewalling is all that's really needed. And I think that's an accurate point because for a long time, I'd say up to about end of 2019, the idea of working from home or working from any location was kind of a novelty. Like we had to do it for a couple of people for some reason or another, but realistically speaking, we wanted you to come into the office where all the cool stuff was. And then of course we couldn't go to work for 12, 13, 15 months, something like that. And so a lot of the companies basically jumped ahead of the game and said, we're going to deploy as much intelligence to the edge devices as we can. So we get things like um, super intelligent SD-WAN boxes, for example, that are optimizing traffic patterns to go either to an HQ location or to the cloud. So could it be that when, if we get to a point where enterprise IT picks back up, as Jody mentioned, it's commodity architecture because the intelligence no longer has to be in the enterprise. The intelligence is already distributed to the edge. So whether it's an edge SD-WAN device that's doing a lot of load balancing for traffic that is destined for the cloud, no matter where you happen to live, or from people working at home, we're just gonna dump the cheapest, fastest equipment that we can in the enterprise and say, enough's enough. If, you know, if we can't solve this problem in software, then we're not gonna try to solve it at all. I think that's going to partly depend on how well the vendor ecosystem plays together. Because back to Jody's point with uh, zero trust architecture, it's all based on identity and how the different vendors handle that identity based on a, a tagging system or what have you. As long as there are APIs to integrate between different vendors, if you have a, a vast vendor ecosystem, yeah, you're going to need you're going to need more robust uh, enterprise networking if that's not the case. So that's how I see it. It depends on the approach, really. That's definitely one way to look at it. But one of the things I'm seeing is that uh, as everything starts moving to the cloud, whether it's software as a service or infrastructure as a service, the access layer at the home, the access layer in, in the bricks and mortar is essentially being treated as an entirely untrusted network anyway. And the identity is being taken care of as if you were Joe Blow off the internet. And as long as the packets move, the rest doesn't really matter as long as it's being taken care of at the endpoints and the access points. And I think you're right. Zero trust networking as a security concept has really transformed our capability of doing this because I can remember many, many times where the way that you got things working from a home office was you just put one firewall in their home and you connected them via an always on VPN to the headquarters office. And then you didn't have to worry about that because everything that went over there was automatically protected by all of your enterprise stuff too. And who cares if it's a little bit slower because this is the price you pay for being able to wake up an hour later at home. 
but I think that the idea that we're starting to see that with so much traffic going other places than the the protected enterprise, the protected bastion, that we can't trust them anymore. And so that shift in methodology has forced us to reevaluate the way that we do things. I think it has hastened this idea of allowing people to work from anywhere. Because I remember when the leader in the work from home, work from anywhere space was a BYOD, bring that laptop that you just bought or bring your iPad and make everything work there kind of sort of. And it was like in a, it was a tech experiment. If we can make this work, man, we could get into an article for Network World or something. And now it's, if we don't get this working, we don't have a business anymore because our employees will quit if they're not able to work from wherever they happen to be. So could it be that we've looked at the possibilities of what we're capable of doing with this technology now, and that technology has raced forward out of necessity as opposed to neatness, and it's driven us to kind of reimagine what the enterprise actually looks like. There's your keyword, reimagining. The enterprise isn't what it used to be, and, and it never will be. There will be elements of what it used to be, but the cloud is now part of the enterprise. You know, Azure is part of the enterprise. Office 365 is part of the enterprise and working at home is part of the enterprise. We need to rethink how that works. And I think a lot of the vendors are on board with that. And the ones who are still working on, oh, this is a, an enterprise piece of equipment that fits in your bricks and mortar space are going to be in for a surprise. Yeah, and, and, and integrating, like I said, I mean, well, from what I've seen from when I got into networking, which was a while ago, it's drastically changed. Will it change again? without question. And especially now that Cisco, Juniper, Fortinet, you know, I've even, I've, I've done a little with them. You're noticing that everything is API driven. It ha one has to be able to talk to the other and vice versa, because it needs to be able to fit that model of like, this is how it is now working from home is the new normal, you know, where it once wasn't a really talked about subject to, to go in Tom's point, you know, some did it, but it wasn't a very common thing. Now you're seeing it more and more and all across the board in many industries. So dare I ask, is this another reason for vendors to implement a subscription-based model for licensing if companies aren't going to go out, enterprises aren't going to go out and buy hardware as much anymore? So to that point, I think the, the bigger question is how much of a company's profit margin was being underwritten by taking commodity hardware and quote-unquote marking it up by adding features that we didn't really need? And so that's, that's always where I come back to with a subscription model is, well, we're going to charge you for all of these features. And my thought process is, well, what if I don't want all of those features? You're going to allow me to turn some of them off and pay less money, right? And the answer is absolutely not. I'm only going to give you like two models. I'm going to give you the bare bones that is necessary to boot it. I'm going to give you everything in the kitchen sink, and I'm going to charge you a fortune for it. And I don't know that a lot of companies are going to want that model anymore because they see the opportunity that, well, I don't need any of those features. Why can't I just do this myself? And again, as, as we said, um, reimagining things sometimes means getting rid of the people that you've worked with for quite a while because you finally realize you don't need them as much as you used to. It, it's gonna be a case of business justification again. It's, you know, you've, people are going for commodity equipment that they may not have ever looked at before. They're considering new vendors and the like. And if they can get everything they need without spending an arm and a leg on a subscription, then when the companies come around and say, oh, you need to buy this thing with our huge subscription, they're gonna be going, okay, justify yourselves. 
And now how good, how good are they going to be at that if that's not the only option? Yeah, I said, you know, in a perfect world, it, you know, especially with something such as Cisco smart licensing, you would have, you know, a feature where like an a la carte type feature to pick a lot of those different solutions and features that you want, where as opposed to now you either pay X amount for all of them and you're going to use one tenth of them, or you're going to, like you said, just get the bare minimum and be able to boot the hardware. So, I mean, hopefully they're trying to scale that back from a business standpoint, I guess time will tell. Yeah, it, it ultimately comes down to a lot of other questions because we've seen this over and over again in a lot of other markets. It used to be, and I can say this because I was actually perusing these articles the other day. When you look at what it used to cost to acquire a computer, like a desktop computer, you would fall over if you had to pay that for a basic desktop computer now. I mean, we're talking like $2,500 in the late 90s or early 2000s versus I can find a very capable PC today for $800 to $1,000. And when I say very capable, I mean more than capable of anything that I would ever really need to do with it for the next few years. So the PC manufacturers have already had to had this fat trimmed away. The value isn't in the hardware. The value is in what the hardware brings to you. And so that's why a lot of them have started partnering with that. And I think enterprise IT is in for that reckoning as well. And we've seen that a lot in a lot of the um, notices that have been put out by companies as they talk about the challenges that they're facing during the pandemic. Because one of the nice things, if you can call it that, is that all of the companies that we deal with that are publicly traded at least every three months have to put out some kind of a notice to their shareholders, letting them know how things are going. And you get to see a lot of the rose-colored glasses being taken off in those situations, because this isn't marketing. This is legally mandated doomsday notices, if you will. It's like, oh yeah, there's a good possibility we could go out of business because we can't find any chips right now, because our lead times are six to nine months right now. So could it be that a lot of the way that these companies are going to be driven to change their business models maybe isn't going to come from the people not coming back to the office anymore, but it's a combination of that and the investors not wanting to hold their money in a sinking ship. That's going to be something interesting to watch. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm already seeing uptake on white box switching second tier vendors, your ubiquities, your microtechs of the world, because they're, they're realizing that you don't need rocket science for access. And when we come back to it, if the bigger players can't say, here's where my value is, then the customers are going to ask first and the investors are going to ask second. And they never want it to get to that second point. And I think complexity comes into play too uh, with a lot of large enterprises that have gone into these in-depth enterprise networking strategies. How difficult is that going to be to potentially back out and go commodity versus staying the course because you're so ingrained in uh, whatever vendor and whatever technology you've jumped into over the last 10 years? I think complexity brings a lot into it. Yeah, we've always said, keep it simple. And there's a long-term reason for that. All right. So I want you to put your futurist hat on and I want you to peer five years into the future, assuming that everything related to the current medical pandemic comes out positive and that the world kind of gets back to the way that it was, is the enterprise going to look like it did before with lots of people working there? lots of people, you know, interacting with the technology, or has that ship finally sailed and we're going to be working more 
remotely, as the case may be, with a greater emphasis on better than consumer grade hardware in our houses, but not full enterprise tank equipment with all of the features we could ever want. Tom, you get my favorite answer if it depends. Uh, I, I go I go back to the different industries that are out there uh, for your retail, for your healthcare, th those type of industries. Uh, I, I honestly see a lot of the same and the enterprise technologies are going to continue to get built up. There's tons of IOT assets and, and other local assets that still need to be uh, secured. So I can see the investment in uh, higher grade, fancier enterprise technology and security is, is still going to be the forefront. But for other industries that are moving away from buildings altogether, I, I see more emphasis on software endpoints and identity and cloud for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to back Tim up on the IoT side of things, but for everything else, what I see happening is that uh, where there's an uncertainty of whether you're going to be bricks and mortar and coming back to the office or whether you're going to be at home or some combination thereof, the important thing is going to be a quality pipe to get at the stuff that you've put up in the cloud so everyone can get at it. And so whether you're in the office or not, you're going to see stuff that is the basics. We're going to see white box switching. We're going to see second tier stuff. We're going to see things that don't have all of the funky security features because they don't need them. The security is being implemented elsewhere because you can't count on your transport. Yeah, and, and Jody said it a few minutes ago, I feel it's keeping it simple, right? At least as best as we can. I feel it's going to be a hybrid model of being able to give them a, a very simple, non-complex solution that will be able to assist them at home while still maintaining, you know, from the infrastructure side of like an enterprise networking and balancing that wherever that may be for each industry, because that's going to vary. But having that balance is going to give them and making sure we implement a solution or, utilize the best solutions to make sure there's less downtime, they'll still be able to access whatever resources they need to in the cloud. I think it's safe to say that change is the only constant that we have to deal with, especially in a discipline like information technology. The enterprise today doesn't look anything like it did 10 years ago, and that's not even taking into account the current state of the global pandemic. And the enterprise of 10 years from now won't look anything like the one today. However, a lot of those changes are very dependent upon how your users operate. We don't work in sweatshops anymore. We don't work in industries that require us to be up close and personal with dangerous equipment, as we might have seen from you know, treatises in the past like Upton Sinclair. But the reality of things is, as we exist today, it's not a question of whether or not enterprise IT will still be around in five years. I think the bigger question is, will the enterprise still exist the way that it does today in five years? And as Tim said, the answer really is dependent upon which piece of the enterprise you work in. Some of them aren't going away. Others have already gone away. And the question now becomes, what equipment and what software do you need to be able to do your job the most effectively that you can no matter where you're working. And when you have an answer to that question, both for yourself and for the rest of your organization, that will help you determine what your enterprise IT strategy looks like going forward from today. That'll just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. I wanna thank each of our guests for joining us. You can always find the most recent episode of this podcast if you head over to gestaltit.com slash podcast. 
You can also subscribe to us with your favorite podcast application of choice. Just remember to look for the on-premise IT roundtable. There's no extra S there because we're always on topic around here. And if you do subscribe to us, especially in an application like Apple Music or iTunes, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review and a rating because people really do pay attention to those and use them to find new and exciting podcasts to listen to, to learn more about technology and possibly even to uh, offer their opinion. If you'd like to offer your opinion, especially on social media, the easiest way to get a hold of us is to use our Twitter handle. We're at Gestalt IT. And if you mention the on-premise IT roundtable, I promise you that we will pick up on your comment and it may even be the focus of a future episode. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for our great guests and for the rest of our Gestalt IT community, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope that you have a great day and we will see you again with another episode very soon.